don't expect any post June one cuts this year for the Falcons, but that conversation does give us a chance to talk about how Cordero Patterson's changing role still has value for this Falcons offense this year. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast, or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked on Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And we thank everyone that makes this illustrious podcast their first listen each and every day follow in their footsteps by subscribing or following for free on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts and for those of you that are checking us out on youtube where you can get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops you are noticing an upgrade in graphics go on ahead and give us a like give us that thumbs up you know smash that like button, as they say here in these YouTube streets, and uh, you know, go ahead and, and follow us. Uh, you know, subscribe on YouTube so that you can get these incredible graphics. You know, each and every day as your first listen and first watch uh, moving forward. So today's episode, since we are at the end of May, we'll be talking a little bit about post June one uh, moves, and none are on the horizon for the Falcons this year. Unlike last year, where this time last year we were talking about Deion Jones's last days in Atlanta, and it took basically another four months uh, before the Falcons eventually were able to part ways with Deion Jones. I don't think we're going to see that this year with any player on the Falcons roster, but it is interesting that when you do look at how the post-June 1 roster moves work and how, you know, for those of you unfamiliar, what that does is if you release or trade a player starting on June 2nd, so post-June 1, um, it changes how much dead money uh, is you know accelerated into the cap. And rather than accelerating all of the remaining dead money, which is all the sort of unamortized, unpaid, whatever you want to call it, unprorated signing bonus money uh, on, left on the player's contract, instead of that all accelerating into one year, as it would if you were to cut or trade a player you know, on before June 1st or before June 2nd, um, instead it spreads it over two years. And what that does for the Falcons, and we'll look a little bit at a couple of players uh, where it could theoretically affect them, but I want to stress uh, that, you know, I do not think these two players in Cordero Patterson and Youngway Koo are, you know, potential cut candidates. Uh, and I have to stress that because I know some of you guys watch or listen to the podcast in the background and you're like, what is he saying? They're going to cut Cordero Patterson and Youngway Koo because you weren't paying attention. No, I'm not saying that they're not going to get cut, but it does at least allow us. Uh, in this conversation, talking about how post June one cuts and post June one trades make, and we'll talk a little bit later about a possible post June one trade the Falcons may make to acquire a player where these rules do apply. But you look at the two contracts where the the June one designation distinction does potentially affect their deals are Cordero Patterson Youngway Coop, right? If the Falcons were to cut them today before June second. 
right? They would have to take on $3.75 million in dead money for Cordero Patterson, which would save them about $1.75 million against his $5.5 million cap hit this year. Um, and so that's not really that conducive. You're not saving a whole lot. Um, with Young Way Koo, you know, his cap hit is like over $5 million or, or whatever, and they would have to take on about $5 million in dead money, and they would actually take a $250,000 cap penalty. So they would lose $250,000 in cap space if they cut him today. But if they waited till Friday, June 2nd, right, they would basically only have to take on about $1.25 million in dead money for both players. So that would theoretically save them about $4.25 million for Cordero Patterson and uh, $3.5 million for Young Way Koo, right? But again, those moves aren't going to happen, but it is notable that with Cordero Patterson, because of the Bijan Robinson selection, there has been some speculation from some corners of, of Falcons fan base and, and whatnot that, you know, maybe Cordero Patterson could be on the roster bubble because he may be left by the wayside due to the presence of Bijan Robinson. Um, I don't think the Falcons have any intention of moving on from Cordero Patterson this year, next year when his contract is up. Probably that's when they'll decide to move on from a then, what, 33-year-old Cordero Patterson. But I think they still have a role for Cordero Patterson this year. Um, I think Cordero Patterson checks all the boxes that the team wants. He adds versatility. He's the epitome. He, he began the positionless football trend uh, here in Atlanta that we fully expect to take advantage in Bijan. And, and having a player of Patterson's ability that can do all the various things that he can do is still valuable for this football team. Not to mention, we know this regime loves to talk about makeup and all the guys with the right makeup. And for all the same reasons that you, I, and every other Falcon fan love CP is exactly why this coaching staff loves CP. So to me, you have no fear about worrying about Cordero Patterson not suiting up for the Atlanta Falcons uh, this year. And if, if I'm wrong on that, then I will eat that plate of crow and I will cry uh, sad tears uh, while I eat that, uh, uh, you know, undelicious, <laughs> disgusting plate of crow. But, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about Hunter Renfro as a potential post-June 1 trade for the Raiders and whether or not the Falcons should come calling with him. Um, and, you know, that's continuing the conversation that we began yesterday talking about DeAndre Hopkins as a potential option for the Falcons, Corey Davis as a potential option for the Falcons. You know, we know the Falcons have wide receiver concerns, and I think that's another factor in Cordero Patterson's favor because the expectation is that Cordero Patterson, along with B. John Robinson, along with Avery Williams, some of these running backs, these positionless running backs that can dabble as both receivers and runners are going to help alleviate some of the concerns that the Falcons have at the wide receiver position that may make them as unwilling to go out there and acquire a, a receiver of Hopkins, Davis, or Renfro's caliber. And I think, you know, Patterson, you know, while I don't expect him to be a huge part of the run game, I do expect him early in the season to be a factor in the run game. I've joked uh, with several people that, you know, fantasy football folks are going to be very upset with Arthur Smith once again this year uh, because, you know, they're going into the season expecting B. John Robinson to get 20, 25 touches uh, right away. And, you know, I've joked that, like, instead you'll get, like, eight carries for each of Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, Bijan Robinson in that week one matchup, and people will freak out. Now, later in the season, as I think Bijan Robinson gets more comfortable and is more comfortable in the offense and has an expanded role, uh, I, don't, I do think you'll see less and less of Patterson getting the run snaps, and that's where we will see more of his potential impact as a receiver. Uh, but I do think early in the season, Patterson will be part of, of the Falcons plans uh, moving forward. And so eventually maybe phased out as we get to the end of the season, which will then allow the Falcons, you know, in the off season after 
Patterson's a free agent to basically say, okay, maybe it's time for us to move on from Cordero Patterson. Or maybe they decide, you know, let's run it back one more time with Cordero Patterson in part due to, you know, his value in addition to not only being a running back and a wide receiver, but also as a kick returner. And I'm expecting that we'll see more of Patterson back on returning kicks uh, after, you know, the success he had. Hopefully he can expand his grip on that record for most, you know, touchdowns, uh, you know, return touchdowns in the league that he set last year against the bears. And when we talk about this team's need to be explosive, it totally makes sense to have a player like Cordero Patterson on kickoff returns. Cause when we're talking about explosiveness, we tend to focus primarily on the 20 plus yard runs and passes on offense, but you know, any plays that flip field position should be considered explosive plays. So for the defense, those are turnovers. And for the special teams, those are big returns and, Cordero Patterson adding, you know, that explosive return ability will be an asset for this football team as they look to become more and more explosive moving forward. So no post June one cuts for the Falcons, even though theoretically they could move on from Cordero Patterson uh, after June uh, 1st uh, and, and save additional cap space. But again, I think we will see Cordero Patterson have still a valuable role with this team. And of course, you know, the incomparable young way uh, is, is definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. But talking about explosiveness and the need to address that wide receiver position, you know, while we've been on Corey Davis watch for several months now, you know, we may have to switch to Hunter Renfro watch because, you know, there is the possibility that the Raiders do finally decide to part ways with Hunter Renfro, uh, you know, starting on June 2nd. And we'll break that down and why Hunter Renfro potentially makes sense for the Atlanta Falcons this year as part of that conversation about being explosive or not being explosive and how he factors into that. And we'll get into all of that, guys, as we continue today's new look locked on Falcons. But first, let's talk about the NBA Finals, which is, you know, starting up on June 1st between the Heat and the Nuggets. And it's the perfect time to make your fast break over to FanDuel to bet on all that action. And the great thing that FanDuel's offering now is that new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. So they've gone up from $1,000 to $2,500. And that means if your first bet doesn't win, you get bonus bets back up to $2,500. And whether you want to bet that on the Heat or the Nuggets in the NBA Finals, you want to bet it on the upcoming NBA draft, you want to bet it on the upcoming NFL season, right? Bijan Robinson, still the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Or you want to bet it on Major League Baseball with their season going strong. There's no better place than America's number one sportsbook, which is FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you'll get your no-sweat-first bet up to $2,500. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, guys, let's talk a little bit about Hunter Renfro. And there's been rampant speculation basically since like January that Hunter Renfro could be on the trade block for the Raiders. And, you know, some people have pushed back against this and said, oh, well, they just gave Hunter Renfro a new contract. Well, they just gave Derek Carr a new contract and Darren Waller a new contract, and they moved on from those guys this past offseason. So why not uh, move on from Hunter Renfro? And then you couple that with the money that the Raiders spent this offseason on Jacoby Myers. Uh, they also drafted Trey Tucker, uh, Desmond Ritter's former teammate at Cincinnati in the third round. Both of those guys have been known to thrive in the slot similar to Hunter Renfro. And so it does seem clear that Hunter Renfro is no longer in the Raiders long-term plans. And it perfectly makes sense for the Raiders, you know, even if they haven't traded him up to this point to basically have been waiting till June 2nd or later this summer to trade Hunter Renfro because 
if they wait until, let's say, Friday to trade Hunter Renfro, instead of carrying a $7.3 million dead money hit on had they traded him, you know, last week, instead, they'd only have to carry about $1.8 million in dead money this season. And the remaining five and a half million, this is the way that the post June one stuff works, gets pushed off to the 2024 in dead money. So, um, you know, I think it makes total sense for the Raiders to have played, you know, patiently and be looking to move on from Hunter Renfro this summer if the right offer comes in. But it really just depends on the right offer because I don't think the Raiders are going to just give Hunter Renfro Ray like we've seen with other wide receiver trades like Allen Robinson, where the Rams were just basically like, we just got to dump this contract and we will take anything <laughs> for him, which is basically like a seventh round pick, which is like Mr. Irrelevant for him uh, at this point in time. But in note of the Hunter Renfro trade, uh, Silver and Black Pride, the SB Nation website for the Las Vegas Raiders, listed a bunch of potential trade teams destinations for Hunter Renfro, and the Falcons were listed among those teams. And they listed a number of potential trade options that the Falcons could send to Las Vegas uh, in, in exchange for Hunter Renfro. And those include Michael Walker, Eddie Goldman, the Falcons' 2024 third-round pick, their 2024 fourth-round pick, the conditional pick that they got in 2024 from the Jaguars that is currently a fourth-round pick but could turn into a second-round pick depending on how Calvin Ridley performs this year, as well as the Falcons' 2024 fifth-round pick. Now, what Silver and Black Pride, they weren't saying that the Falcons would give all this up for Hunter Renfro, but basically the Raiders, you know, one of these options or maybe two of these options would be – worthwhile for the Raiders to trade Hunter Renfro for. And, you know, that's in part Walker and Goldman are listed because the Raiders are thin at linebacker and D-tackle at this position. I don't see either one of those players getting traded, even if the Falcons are looking to move on from Michael Walker. And this is probably going to be his last year in Atlanta. So it would make sense to get something for him. Uh, but I think the Falcons are too thin at the depth position at linebacker to part ways with, with Michael Walker at this point in time. Um, with Eddie Goldman, they could afford to move on from Eddie Goldman, but just given Eddie Goldman's questionable commitment to football, I don't know if the Raiders would be willing to trade for a player that is basically, you know, potentially one foot out the door, retiring, coming back or whatever. So I, I don't see either one of those options being trade options. So if the Falcons were to trade for Hunter Renfro, I think one of these mid-round draft picks makes total sense. I don't think the Falcons would give up the conditional pick that they got from the Jaguars. So maybe their other fourth round pick, maybe the fifth round pick makes total sense. Uh, you look at some previous trades, uh, the Raiders got a third round pick for Darren Waller. I imagine that's what they would like to get for Hunter Renfro. We'll see if they can get that. Uh, you look at other trades like Elijah Moore, uh, who was traded from the Jets to the Browns. Uh, and he was traded for basically, you know, they exchanged like second and third round picks. So it was basically the equivalent of an early third round pick when you look at the various trade value charts in terms of what, uh, you know, Cleveland gave up in that trade. And then you look at the Brandon Cooks trade uh, to Dallas where he got traded for a fifth round pick in this past year's draft and a sixth round pick in next year's draft. So a fifth and some change. And so if you figure, okay, and Brandon Cooks a little bit older than Hunter Renfro, uh, but Elijah Moore is a little bit younger than Hunter Renfro, sort of sandwich. If, if Moore is a third round pick and Cooks is a fifth round pick, then that seems to settle it. Hunter Renfro may be a fourth round pick or maybe a fifth round pick and some change like the Brandon Cooks trade. And why would the Falcons trade for Hunter Renfro? Obviously, you know, they do need help at the wide receiver position. Um, but one of the things I do plan to touch upon probably early next week on the podcast is, you know, the diving deeper into the idea that the Falcons are trying to be this explosive offense. We've already heard Desmond Ritter uh, talk to the media about their goal is to be explosive. And we're hoping that Drake London and Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson can all help this Falcon team go from, you know, 
bottom of the league in terms of explosive plays, certainly in the air to top of the league in that regard. But I've seen some stats recently that suggest to me that maybe the Falcons may not necessarily be as explosive as we would like them to be that at least this is one of the areas where, you know, despite all my optimism I've expressed about the Falcons, this is one of the areas where I'm probably most skeptical about the Falcons making massive gains uh, in terms of their explosiveness. I think they'll make some gains, but I don't know if they're going to be in the upper half of the league uh, when it comes to explosiveness. I'm hopeful, but, you know, I still express some skepticism. And because of that, if the Falcons are not as explosive as I would like them to be and the rest of us would like them to be, you know, they're going to be one of these teams that has a lot of methodical, you know, long drives. And in order to execute those types of drives, you need to be able to move the change reliably on third downs. Um, and, you know, you look at a player like Hunter Renfro, he's been one of the best third down receivers in the league since entering back in 2019. Uh, you look at all the receivers that have had at least 75 third or fourth down targets since 2019, uh, which include Hunter Renfro. There's been uh, only 20 of those guys have had uh, a conversion rate on third and fourth downs of 50% or higher. Hunter Renfro is one of those with 50.4% conversion rate. It's better than DeAndre Hopkins. It's better than Corey Davis. It's better than CeeDee Lamb and Chris Godwin and Amari Cooper and all these high-end receivers. Hunter Renfro also has one of 20 receivers that have over 1,000 yards combined over the last four years on just on third and fourth down catches. And so if the Falcons are going to be this super methodical team, having a reliable chain mover like Hunter Renfro makes a ton of sense. And now some people will push back and say, oh, well, Hunter Renfro is just a slot receiver. And I sit here and I go, if it's third and six, you don't really care where a guy lines up. All that really matters is can you get open and can you move the chains and slot outside receiver? None of that is really that consequential. And we've seen the Raiders have a lot of success using Hunter Renfro out of bunch formations, right? Three by one sets and putting him on the three receiver side. And that gives him a free release. And then that allows his route running ability to really excel because of that free release that he's going to get. And we've seen the Falcons uh, certainly dabble in bunch formations in those three by one sets, especially in 2021 to compensate for the lack of, of you know, having high end receivers, uh, you know, besides Kyle Pitts and, and Russell Gage for most of that season. So I could see the Falcons doing the exact same thing with Hunter Renfro that they did in 2021 with Russell Gage in, in a lot of ways uh, as that reliable third down receiver, in addition to what Pitts and London and, and, and all the other playmakers they have. So, you know, to me, the interesting thing about Hunter Renfro is another team that is in uh, the race for Hunter Renfro that was mentioned by uh, Silver and Black Pride as a target is New Orleans. The Lions, the Vikings, the Colts were other teams that mentioned in that article. But to me, the, the Saints are the most team that you have to worry the most about landing Hunter Renfro uh, in part due to I, I feel like he has a clear cut role in New Orleans that he may not necessarily have in some of those other cities uh, that were mentioned in the article. And it's kind of similar to the dynamic between that. You, you hear various rumors and, and speculation that goes on between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs with DeAndre Hopkins. Like both teams want Hopkins, but they're not going to necessarily bend over backwards, but they especially don't want the other one to get DeAndre Hopkins. So the Chiefs are like, yeah, we want DeAndre Hopkins, but we definitely don't want Buffalo get him and it may be worth it for us to sign DeAndre Hopkins just so Buffalo doesn't get him and I feel like it's kind of a similar dynamic between the Falcons and Saints with Hunter Renfro it's like yeah we want Hunter Renfro he will definitely help our football team out but we definitely do not want the Saints to go out there and get Hunter Renfro that will definitely be much more of a problem 
for us than not landing Hunter Renfro. So that may be something to keep an eye on. So we'll see if the Raiders wind up moving him. Certainly you can understand that the Raiders still see value for him. Again, they're not going to necessarily just give him away or anything like that. So we'll see if a trade develops over the course of the coming weeks with Hunter Renfro. But certainly now that we are heading into June, it does make more financial sense for the Raiders to move on from Hunter Renfro. And I certainly think it's at least worth a phone call for the Falcons to sort of see, like, what are we really talking about with Hunter Renfro? Could we get him for a fifth and some change or something like that? Uh, and I think that would be well worth it uh, in a similar fashion um, to, you know, some of the trades that the Falcons have already made this offseason, like Jeff Okuda. But speaking of trades that the Falcons have already made this offseason, there's another position besides wide receiver that the Falcons need help at. That's the swing tackle position. And they may be looking to make another trade with another team like the Miami Dolphins later this summer. And we'll break that down as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But before we get there, I do want to give a shout out to all my everydayers that make this podcast their first listen each and every day, of course, on YouTube or wherever you listen to audio podcasts. But for those of you that are going to be making us your first listen tomorrow, you can expect to hear my breakdown of Zach Harrison. I finished the film of the Falcons third round draft pick, and I will break down my thoughts on what Zach Harrison can be in Atlanta and in the NFL on tomorrow's episode as your first listen. So wrapping up today's Locked on Falcons, as I have watched so much Zach Harrison film over the last couple of days, and you know another player on that Ohio State defense in Tommy Eichenberg, uh, has made you know a ton of tackles. He'll be one of the top linebackers in the 2024 draft. But you know you watch all these games and you know they talk about Tommy Eichenberg and they mention oh Tommy Eichenberg's older brother, you know Liam plays offensive line for the Miami Dolphins. And you know as you're kind of bored watching Zach Harrison film, you know no spoiler alerts on how that makes me feel, but you just tend to get bored. You start like your mind starts to wander, and I'm like oh like you know what if Liam Eikenberg and Tommy Eikenberg were on the same team? And the, that starts me thinking about the Miami Dolphins offensive line situation because Eikenberg, Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson haven't quite lived up to the expectations. They just signed Isaiah Wynn, a player that I've always liked. And so I just start doing, going down the rabbit hole, right? Start doing more research. Uh, and I'm start thinking like, what, what, you know, with the addition of Isaiah Wynn, does that mean that a player like Liam Eikenberg or Austin Jackson could be traded to the Atlanta Falcons uh, should they lose a competition to Isaiah Wynn for one of those starting left guard position where Eichenberg is penciled at the top of the depth chart, right tackle where Austin Jackson is penciled at the top of the depth chart. Um, you know, could that lead to one of these guys being shopped later this offseason? And maybe the Falcons could pounce on one of those guys to solve their swing tackle needs. And uh, going down the rabbit hole, looking at locked on Dolphins with Kyle Krabs, and he's breaking down the Isaiah Wynn signing. He's talking about how Wynn could push either one of those guys at either one of those spots. But he also says that it's likely that regardless of how those competitions play out this summer, all three of those guys are likely to be kept on the roster. And that initially pulls cold water on this thought process. But then I start doing, again, more research, and I'm looking at the rest of the Dolphins' tackles, and maybe when signing moves all those guys, and I'm looking at Jerron Christian, I'm looking at Kendall Lamb, I'm looking at Cedric Aboyhe, and I'm noticing, you know, not only all these guys have way more experience than any of the Falcons' current options at swing tackle, where right now the front runner I think, is Joshua Miles, who's played 19 career snaps in the regular season at offensive tackle. Barry Wesley, who the Falcons just picked up in the from the XFL, had a very good year according to PFF, but has never played uh, in the NFL. Tyler Vrabel, who played, you know, who spent all last year on the practice squad after a kind of underwhelming summer, and Ethan Greenidge, who 
the Falcons picked up, who has the versatility to play four out of five positions, but only has 47 career regular snaps, regular season snaps at the tackle position. And I sit here and I go like every single one of these Dolphins offensive tackles at the very least has started 20 plus games at at tackle in the NFL, let alone only play 20 snaps at the tackle position. And so like the Falcons current group doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. And I, so I look at all these dolphins offensive tackles as potential upgrades over any of these guys. And I start noticing the coaching connections that these players have, because we know this coaching staff loves, you know, you know, these coaching connections and the players with the right makeup. And, you know, if they have experience with these players, they might target a guy if they have the right makeup, all that stuff and more. You got Jerron Christian, who was drafted by Washington a couple of years ago, but, you know, who was running their draft board uh, when Jerron Christian was drafted. Kyle Smith, who's currently essentially the assistant GM here in Atlanta. You have Kendall Lamb, who I've had my eye on for a couple of years now because Kendall Lamb played at App State and his position coach at App State was none other than the Falcons' current offensive line coach, Dwayne Ledford. And then you have Cedric Aboy, who doesn't really have a coaching connection, but similar to Jermaine Effetti, who the Falcons just cut, uh, you know, opening the door for this offensive tackle competition um, was a college teammate at Texas A&M of Jake Matthews. Right. And then I start doing more research and I go, Oh yeah, the Falcons assistant offensive line coach, Sean Flaherty. I've always been sort of in my brain has always thought like he's been the last five years at NC state, but in fact, he spent three years prior to joining the Falcons in 2022 as an assistant with the Miami Dolphins, as an assistant offensive line coach, and I think also working with the tight ends. So he's worked directly with guys like Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg while they were in Miami. And so I sit here and I go like, you know, there's a lot of smoke here, right? You know, if there's smoke, there's fire here with the Falcons. And so I'm kind of planting the seed now, you know, that when we get to August, where, by the way, the Falcons also play the Dolphins in the first preseason game, and then they have joint practices earlier that week uh, in, you know, the first week of August. And, you know, this coaching staff is going to get an up-close, firsthand look at several of these tackles uh, in camp and how they practice and how they work over the course of several days uh, during that week in August. And so it just seems like Again, it just seems to make too much sense that if the Falcons are unhappy with the, their swing tackle competition, I think the Falcons aren't going to necessarily rush anything. They're going to see how it all plays out, you know, in those early weeks in, in training camp. But if they we get to mid-August, late August, when, when cuts are going to need to be made and the Falcons are not necessarily happy and thrilled with their tackle position, it does make total sense to me that they'll give the Dolphins a call and whether it's, you know, you know Isaiah Wynn or Austin Jackson or Liam Eikenberg or Jerron Cushion or Kendall Lamb or Cedric Abohi, it does feel like one of these guys will be available, whether that's a conditional seventh round pick or whether that's the Falcons making a similar Akuta like trade for one of these reclamation projects with Eichenberg or Jackson, who have been underwhelming at starting left tackles and right tackles over the last couple of years in Miami. But then again, like, you know, the difference between that and the Akuta trade is Akuta is expected to be a starter for the Falcons, right? Eichenberg and, and Jackson or any of these guys are not expected to be starters because you have Jake Matthews locked in for at least two more years. You have uh, Caleb McGarry locked in for at least two more years. You just need to be a backup. So while they've been underwhelming starters with Eichenberg and Jackson and, and several of these other guys like a boy, he and, and lamb and, and Christian, right? We don't need them to be started. We just need them to be backups. And, you know, an underwhelming starter usually is a pretty good backup, right? So I, I sit here and I go like, yeah, why not kick the tires on one of these guys if the Falcons are unhappy with their offensive tackle competition for that swing tackle position. So I'd be willing to take my chances on one of these guys. And it just seems 
to make so much sense that the Falcons through, you know, these coaching connections through the preseason, through those joint practices at some point, like, you know, they might give the Dolphins a call uh, to address their swing tackle need. Not to mention the Dolphins also use a seventh round pick on Ryan Hayes. So, you know, he could also make one or more of these guys more expendable. Maybe that makes uh, a Jackson or an Eichenberg or a win much more expendable. Uh, because Brian Hayes emerges in training camp and push one of those guys off the roster. So we'll just sort of have to see how that plays out. But I know certainly as we get later in the summer, when we're break, we're, when I'm looking at the 53-man roster projections for various teams to see who's sort of on the roster bubble, I think you guys should also be checking those out for the Dolphins and paying attention to what's going on uh, with the Dolphins. You know, maybe make Locked On Dolphins your second or third listen. Uh, you know, later this summer to see what's going on with those training camp competitions at that tackle position uh, with Kyle Krabs and whatnot. So that's what I wanted to say. That's something to keep an eye on later this summer. Hunter Renfro, the, the Dolphins, you know, swing tackle, tackle depth and, and competition and all that various stuff. And of course, Cordero Patterson's role with the Falcons. But we'll leave it there, guys. And tomorrow, of course, we'll be back with a Zach Harris film review, breakdown, scouting report, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that will be your first listen. So continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, guys. Really appreciate it. Until then.